All right, guys, I want to tell you about my absolute favorite CBD product ever. It's called Wabe, and their whole family farm is USDA certified organic, as well as all the hemp they use for their products in Colorado. They do their own extraction exclusively using supercritical CO2. In layman's terms, that means there's zero solvents or nasty shit that you'll find in the product. It's absolutely amazing. Their MCTO-based products and their water-soluble products are all USDA certified organic. Again, they're getting the very best possible. I certainly feel a difference. It helps me reduce inflammation. CBD is one of the ways that I came off of using things like ibuprofen and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. I think CBD is nature's medicine. Speaking of nature's medicine, we've given it to our son before when he had uh, a head injury. We used that as a part of Dr. Dan Engel's protocol, and we've also used it for uh, boosting the immune system when he gets run down. I think it is phenomenal. It helps me with sleep. It helps me get rid of the kinks and the old nagging injuries from fighting in football. If you want to learn more, go to wave.com. That's W-A-A-Y-B.com and use code word Kyle at checkout for 10% off. You may not realize it, but the average American blasts their eyes with bright screens for 11 hours a day. When you consider how much our day revolves around our devices, it doesn't seem so crazy. I got a lot of Apple products, iPhone, iPad, iMac, MacBook Air, and TV, and all this other shit. So (laughs) Netflix and chill, uh, we're bombarded with bright light. The fact is, we can't eliminate extensive screen time for our lives in the modern era, but you can protect your eyes from it with a pair of Felix Gray blue light filtering glasses, available in non-prescription and prescription. So you got eye issues, need a prescription, they got you. These are by far the best-looking glasses I've ever seen, uh, regardless of blue light emitting or not. They're absolutely incredible. Head over to felixgrayglasses.com slash Kyle. That's felixgrayglasses.com slash Kyle for free shipping and 30 days of risk-free returns or exchanges. Thank you guys for tuning into the show today. We have Garrett from NewFit. Garrett is an awesome guy who's become a buddy of mine. The company he started makes some really cool cutting-edge technology for training, and it helps with all sorts of things from rehabbing injuries. I've worked on my busted knee after jujitsu with him to get healed up, and it doesn't take a long time training with him, but the way the product works is pretty novel. It can help the nervous system connect the mind-muscle connection and train your body how to move properly. You can also crush your ass in the gym with it, and that's something that I've done most recently with him when we had him out here for Paleo FX. Hope you guys enjoy the show. And if you check it out on YouTube, there's going to be some cool video overlay that's included with it. Thanks for tuning in. All right, we're clapped in. Garrett Saltpeter, is that how I say your last uh, name? Saltpeter. Saltpeter. Yeah. I like it. All right. The man, the myth, the legend behind New Fit. You like that intro? I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to get your background. What got you into all this stuff? Because you are the guy who created this device. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. What led you to that point? What led you to electricity and how you changed that from what the typical thing is we're all accustomed to, a TENS unit, Russian stim, things like that, and absolutely flipping it on the script and creating something totally new? So it's it's definitely the case of, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. There is a rich history of electrical stimulation, and I was fortunate enough to um, be able to make some some meaningful steps forward in the, the technology and combine it with some things I had learned in functional neurology and in physical therapy and and so many of the techniques that we use for actually applying the technology. And 
I came at this originally, you know, I, I actually had a, I was an athlete. I grew up playing ice hockey and I had a, a real passion for strength and conditioning because I, I wasn't a very good athlete. And I just became enamored with the idea that through training, I could improve myself and change my circumstances and that I was malleable and adaptable and, and could improve. And I had a real passion for the, for the human body. And then I had some experiences with traditional strength and conditioning and, and traditional physical therapy, traditional orthopedic, where you know my experiences were very um, underwhelming, I'll say. And, and at one point I considered going pre-med, but just thought that you know, there's nothing but dead ends for me in those directions. And so I decided to become an engineer. And um, I ended up playing, I was a practice squad, mostly ice hockey player in college, which even that was an accomplishment. But my last year in college, I had this amazing experience where I had some torn ligaments in my wrist. I was supposed to have surgery and be out for three months. And I met a chiropractic neurologist, functional neurologist, and working with him and focusing more, you know, instead of just repairing the ligament, focusing more on some of the techniques that, that we now use to activate the muscles around it, um, using earlier versions of electrical stimulation technology to accelerate blood flow, uh, doing this combination of things that we did. I was able to heal the ligaments on their own, avoid surgery. I was back in three weeks instead of three months. And it was just a big light bulb going off, a, a eureka moment for me where I realized, oh my gosh, there is a better way. And that that kind of lit this fire for me to to take. You know, I had I had enthusiasm and passion for this field inside of me, but didn't really have a place to, to apply it until that experience. And so uh, my first summer, I came down here to engineering school at the University of Texas and- Hook them horns. That's right, hook them. <laughs> and I, uh, I, instead of, uh, instead of staying in, in the lab and doing research like I probably should have the first summer, you know, I went and apprenticed with, with this doctor. And, and in that experience, I finally saw, okay, there is a way for me to take, you know, kind of bridge this, this, all this stuff that I'm really passionate about and, and make, you know, some sort of career or do something professionally with it. And so I, I opened up, you know, 150 square feet in the back of a, a chiropractor's office here in Austin, started working with him. Uh, and that was over 10 years ago. And then I was using earlier versions of electrical stimulation technology with different neurological techniques, kept learning from other people. I went back to graduate school for more education in neuroscience and, um, eventually the limiting factor became, you know, some of the things that we wanted to do with the technology and having access to it. And I, um, in the last, uh, you know, about so the facility we've had as of now, you know, a little over 10 years, um, about six to seven years in the, you know, became clear that the next step was actually to, to make some, some meaningful improvements in the technology the, the methods we were using had evolved and things were moving forward. That was kind of the next piece. And so, you know, a lot of time and effort and money, of course, uh, developing it. And now um, we've had that out and we've been for the for the last year, I've been focused a lot and our team has been focused a lot on, on a new direction of teaching and training other professionals around the country to use this technology incorporated into their businesses. And it's been, you know, just very exciting and very gratifying to see that other people are able to get the same types of incredible outcomes in their practices that we're seeing at ours here in Austin. Hell yeah. We'll talk about the difference between some of this older technology that probably most people are familiar with and uh, with what your technology is doing with direct current instead of alternating current, some of the differences between the two. Yeah, for sure. So you touched on definitely one of the biggest differences, the fact that it's DC as opposed to AC. 
And what that allows us to do is is a couple of things. One is it, it's been known for a long time that, you know, decades that direct current can have benefits in terms of accelerating healing and tissue regeneration and, and you know, different healing processes within the body. But historically, there was an issue with getting higher levels of direct current, getting therapeutic levels of direct current into the body because it would burn the skin. Um, so that's one of the things that we've been able to do. You know, we're not the only direct current device out there, but we have been able to further refine and smooth out the waveform so you can get even higher levels of, levels of current in with even less of that skin or surface discomfort. Um, so that is, you know, one of the steps forward. And then the biggest difference that, that really allows us to do some of the things that we do with this device and within our system is the effect on the nervous system. So typically, particularly alternating current devices, most of the, you know, Russian stem, TENS, interferential units out there, uh, they're, they're always going to be causing muscles to contract. That alternating current, as the signal volleys back and forth, typically it's going to cause co-contraction where muscles on both sides of the joint are going to be contracting and fighting against each other. And so you actually end up training the body to resist its own movements. And you know, my, my favorite metaphor to describe this, imagine you're driving your car, hitting the throttle and the brake pedal at the same time. Mm. And you know, it's inefficient. At best, you're just wasting some energy. You know, at worst, you're actually causing the body to stiffen, putting it in a state where it's going to be you know, at greater risk of injury. And so with ours, at the same or even higher levels of current, you actually have less of those protective contractions. And so we're able to focus more on the, the sensory and afferent or input side of the nervous system, giving signals into the nervous system so that we can create changes in neurological patterns. That we're, in my you know, strong belief, it's really the, the most powerful type of neuromuscular re-education. That's a term that gets thrown around a lot, particularly in physical, ther physical therapy in that world. And this is, that's something that we're actually able to do in a much more powerful and more efficient way than virtually anything else out there. Yeah. And I want to, I want to dive a little deeper into that because, you know, the, I think the issue people run into with technology is like, oh, it's just doing the work for me, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I'm going to sit here and we've, everybody's seen these late night ab things on TV that shake your abs and they're supposed to give you cut up abs <laughs> and get rid of your fucking tire. Uh, obviously, those things are bullshit. But one of the things that first stood out to me was how you guys are doing, you know, primal movement patterns through this stuff, whether that's push, press, pull, squat, hinge. It's something we actually do. Mm -hmm. in the real world. You're not just sitting there while the machine does the work for you. You're actually moving through these motions mm -hmm. and causing this mind-muscle connection from the brain through the nervous system to interact mm -hmm. with the muscle tissue. Also, at the same time, because of the amount of current you can send through there, you're getting about, as far as I know, maximum absolute maximum muscle recruitment. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons we, we warm up. People think you warm up to prevent injury. Sure, that's it. But you're stronger later on in your, in your sets if you've warmed up properly because you have more muscle recruitment because the brain has turned itself on and it can draw more from the muscle. One of the things that I noticed is we worked out, I think, 10 days ago. I'm still sore from the fucking workout. <laughs> I'm still, I, I'm a guy who, you know, I do yoga. I could typically go palms to floor right when I get out of bed. Hamstring stretch, put my palms right on the floor, stretch my hamstrings, posterior chain glutes. And it's been very hard, even in the last two days, for me to do that. I have to take deep breaths and slowly relax into it till I can get my palms down. I'm just fingertips right now, so uh, there's no doubt. And I, and you know, we, that's not the only application of this system. And I want to get into rehab and how you guys work with the different avenues with it. But 
Talk a bit about the importance of that like maximal side of things where you really can recruit on a different level. Quick break to tell you all about the most important purchase you'll make for your body, mind, recovery, athleticism, and sleep in the game. It's called WHOOP, W-H-O-O-P, and it is a performance analysis, sleep analysis, recovery analysis device that goes right on your wrist and links to your phone. You get all sorts of data from how much REM sleep you actually get in a night to how much deep sleep you get in a night, the weekly averages, how much you need based on the fact that you may have some sleep debt coming up. You may not have gotten a great night of sleep the night before, or maybe you busted your ass in the gym and you need a little enhanced recovery. All this stuff is worked into an amazing algorithm and they use machine learning in the app to help decipher what are the different ways they can analyze and look at your data. And what do they report back to you? Everything you need to know about how hard to train, when to back off, how to go injury-free, and how to get the most out of your training and your sleep. Go to whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter code word Kyle for $30 off a new subscription. So I think you brought up one of the most important points of all of this um, in that there. I love your description of that too. Uh, but one of the biggest distinctions is that a lot of times we rely on technology to do things for us and we become somewhat dependent on that technology. With this, I'm starting from the perspective that the body has <clears throat> the body has the the resources, the energy, the life force, if you will. Uh, you know, we all have that inside of us. It's part of our birthright as humans. And we're trying to use technology to help people tap into that. So ultimately, we want to use our technology to help people access the the power that's inside of them and not become dependent on the technology, but use the technology to access more of themselves so that people are better when they get off the machine. And it allows them to go off and perform better, you know, in the octagon or on the ice rink or in in the boardroom if they're talking about we're talking about cognitive function. And so I think that's an important distinction is that we're trying to use this to help people, you know, quote unquote, hack into their nervous systems and get more out of themselves. So I think that's that's an important distinction. Uh, in terms of the, this muscle recruitment dynamic, I think the, the biggest thing that I like to communicate to people is to say, you know, you can, you can go and obviously people have been successful lifting heavy weights. The, the issue is that it takes a long time to build up to be able to do that effectively. And you know, most people, particularly just starting out in training, have have movement dysfunctions and different things that make it very unsafe for them to lift up heavy heavy weights. But you need that in order to get the muscle recruitment and the hormonal benefits, hypertrophy, changes in connective tissues and other structures of the body. And what this approach that you know that, that we're sharing with you here, the the workout that we did, that allows us to get the benefits of heavy lifting, get that muscle recruitment, get those extreme outputs in the body and the subsequent extreme responses where the, you know, all these, all these things are going to be happening, but to do that with a lot less external load, a lot less risk of injury. And it's, it's a much safer way to, yeah, to get all the benefits of heavy lifting. Yeah. I certainly, certainly felt those benefits. Uh, Let's take a deeper dive into recovery. You know, I I mentioned on the intro to this podcast, how I had battled a knee injury from jujitsu for about 12 to 18 months. And I came in, I wanted to come in more often, but I have a very busy schedule, as you know. I was able to get in for one session, and we did the recovery uh, protocol for my knee. And it didn't necessarily happen overnight, but in about a week, I could jog again. And I was really, really impressed because I was coming from a point where 
and it's been, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's pretty shitty to tell your three-year-old, sorry, daddy can't run. Daddy's hurt. Daddy has to walk. And your son's running laps around you. You know, like I've never wanted to be the dad who had to sit on the sidelines and not be able to be active with my children. Um, so the fact that this was able to shift something in me, and I'm not saying everybody's going to have the same response, but certainly, uh, it was like a reeducation of my muscles and my nervous system to what my knee could do. Yes. I think that's a, that's a beautiful way to describe it. And, you know, some, you know, you had one session, you had that response within about a week. Some people have that response, you know, within a few minutes and, you know, sometimes it can be shorter, it can be longer. But in, in most of these cases, the responses that we're seeing, it, it's an impossibly short period of, period of time for a tremendous amount of healing to happen or for any real structural changes. So we, we know that the changes that we're seeing really are functional. And that speaks to this desire to tap into the innate abilities and, and the potential that's lying dormant within all of us. Because, you know, in the case of your knee, in the case of, you know, dozens or hundreds of other similar examples that we've seen, the the issue is, you know, it's both what happens to us, what damage there is. And it's also sometimes even more about how we respond to it. And so even if that knee had been healing or, or was healed up, you still have these patterns around it where the body's protecting against that trauma. So some in some areas, you're holding on with excessive tension. In other areas, the muscles are inhibited or shut down because you're trying to stay away from or unload those areas. And what we're able to do is go through that scanning process with you, tell you exactly where those underlying dysfunctions are. And then once we find them, because again, because of some of the benefits of this particular type of waveform, the effects on the nervous system, we're able to repattern those muscle firing patterns in, you know, sometimes in as little as a few, as a few minutes. And so by hitting the reset button there, the muscles are working again, they're supporting the joint. And, you know, again, it was impossibly short period of time to heal. It's just restoring proper function. And, and many times that helps people reduce pain, have much better range of motion because we're just getting out of the way, getting those impediments out of the way that, that we're blocking the healing process or keeping you stuck in that, that cycle of pain and dysfunction and disuse. And, uh, it's just, you know, it's a, I think a quick way to hit the reset button is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I really do wonder, like when it comes to injuries, you know, if I roll my ankle, it's going to swell. It's going to hurt a little bit bad, but there's certain people who roll an ankle and it just looks like, like their leg needs to be amputated. Right. <laughs> so systemic inflammation can play a huge role in our body's natural response mm -hmm. to something where, you know, it, it wants to limit range of motion and movement. Um, we're chronically inflamed as a culture. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, if we sustain a decent injury, if you're in an auto accident or you fall off a horse or something happens in, in sport, it can take longer to heal from that than say where we were at 500 years ago, just due to the, our environment. So I think it can be a critical piece, a critical hack to how we can get back to whatever we're doing, whether that's being able to run with our children or getting on the jiu-jitsu mats. I think it can be a great hack through that. And that that's one of my uh, favorite, favorite things about this is that even though we're using modern technology, it really is kind of, an old school approach because if, you know, 500 years ago or a thousand years ago, 1500 years ago, if, if, you know, if, or if you're a caveman and you roll your ankle, you can't just sit around because you're going to get eaten. And, mm -hmm. or if you have to, if you're hobbling around and your, your tribe has to carry you, you know, you're a real burden to the tribe and you could reduce everyone's ability to survive. 
and you're going to be forced by circumstances to start moving again, to start working through these protective patterns faster and faster and faster. And in, in many ways today, we're so so emphatic about wanting to pe- keep people comfortable during their recovery processes. You know, in physical therapy, that's one of the biggest things. They don't they don't want to push anyone. You know, for the most part, don't want to push anyone through the discomfort. But that's necessary for adaptation. You know, it's like many like many things in life, you know, nothing really good or meaningful comes from being inside of our comfort zones. And so we don't necessarily want to take the caveman approach and say, okay, you just sprained your ankle, go run on it until it feels better. But we do, by using technology, by doing through the approach that, that we're talking about here, we do have a way to help people break through those patterns much more quickly. There's a little bit of discomfort associated with it. It's not just the machine doesn't just do it for you. You have to participate emotionally, psychologically, and, phys- yeah. and physically. Um, but when you go through that process, it gets rid of all those protective patterns and the body's able to heal at its natural rate. So instead of all the, the swelling and inflammation and the excessive tension, like the example of rolling your ankle, the excessive tension that your muscles generate around that area, it's good if someone tries to attack that tissue again, but it's counterproductive for healing, for movement. The extra pressure there just literally blocks the flow of blood and nutrients and raw materials that you need to heal. It blocks the removal of the waste products. So by breaking through those patterns, by hitting the reset button on the neuromuscular level, that then opens the floodgates for the body to send blood, nutrients, raw materials to heal. And so there's still a healing process that has to happen. You just get, you're just getting, you know, get, again, getting out of the way, all of the shit that would be standing in the way of, of, of a real, meaningful, quick and efficient healing process. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> well, let's dive into performance because um, one of the things I noticed, and I, I think when I went in for the session, we the first one that I did, it was uh, the recovery aspect, the healing aspect for my left knee. And so lower body was based on you know, physical therapy. And then the upper body, because I had a uh, an exhibition uh, for charity boxing match with my buddy Jason Ellis, I was like, I want to work on hand speed. And typically, you know, one of the greatest myths in strength and conditioning is that if I lift weights, I'll become slower. And that's true if you're lifting in properly for the sport that you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's sports specific. But uh, one of the things we were doing, he was, you know, he's talking about, well, which, which muscles do you use when you punch? And he started punching and he's like, okay, pec minors involved, lats involved, rotator cuffs are involved. So we did a pull-up protocol. Again, I was super slow coming down and then yanking up as fast as I could. Mm-hmm. And we did some push-ups and some, and then, uh, you know, those, the ab exercise where you're on your back and you, you lift your legs up and then your partner throws them back down to the ground. Mm-hmm. So incredible stuff there. Um, but I felt faster, you know, and I certainly had great hand speed and I didn't train much for that, for that fight. I think I had put my gloves on eight times in the last four years leading up to it, just cause I had retired from fighting, never thought I'd lace them up again. Um, and then, of course, you know, 10 days ago, we did this very slow, um, and like I said, my ass and hamstrings were still sore. Uh, we had two electrodes on each quadricep, one on each glute, one on each hamstring, and we went through like 10 seconds down on a hack squat, and then you took your weight, and you were pressing on the weight to make it harder, and then mm-hmm. you took your hands off, and I came back up. And it might have only been like three sets of five, mm-hmm. but it was slow, and I was destroyed, exactly what I was asking for, <laughs> Right. So talk a little bit about how the different training applications, like what are the different things you guys can do with this? Because I've seen only three different ways it can be used and I'm blown away by each application. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a very exciting area and I'm glad you shared some of those. Ultimately, we have strategies where we can help people work on 
on speed, on strength speed or speed strength, on, on pure strength, on hypertrophy, on endurance. And you know, there's many different traits that go into athleticism. And like you said, you want to be sports specific and have the right balance of the right traits for for mixed martial arts or for basketball or you know whatever the whatever the sport is or powerlifting obviously is going to be a lot different and so there's strategies you know the, the nervous system plays a role in the body's ability to successfully display all of those traits and so we have strategies to help people with all of those um, one of the interesting things when you're talking about hand speed and and we're talking about speed of movement in sport for example one of the most interesting findings on this that, that I've ever heard and that informs a lot of my thinking on this is a, a Russian study that showed that you know, they were trying to figure out what separates their best athletes, the ones that are internationally competitive and win Olympic medals from the ones that are just good in their region, but can't make the jump to that next level. And they, they wanted to look at, at you know, what it was. And they, just, they, they thought it was going to be strength that was the determining factor. By that, you know, there's, there's a, lot, a lot of people you know, think that strength is the answer and it's an answer. Uh, it's just not the answer to every single question. And so they found that strength was actually number two. It was up there. But number one on that list, seven times more important than strength, the number one quality that determined an athlete's ability to, to be the best was actually the speed at which they could fully relax their muscles, go from full contraction to full relaxation. And this makes sense in terms of speed of movement. You're talking about hand speed for boxing, because if you're, if you're trying to throw a punch, but your bicep is resisting that instead of being smooth, it's going to be like this. You're going to be fighting against that. Just picture your local barroom ball where somebody's punching with all the muscle they have, like, yeah, that's not smooth. That's not Muhammad Ali popping a jab. No, no, no. That is, but that is the type of movement that you would expect in like powerlifting. If you're trying to get 700 pounds up, mm. and it doesn't matter whether it's in three quarters of a second or eight seconds. Yeah. So it's that type of that type of thing. So you can have the wrong you can have the wrong balance of some of those those qualities. And so the part of the difference here between traditional electrical stimulation and the type of waveform and the effects that we're able to have on the nervous system is that we can preferentially teach muscles to relax and lengthen as opposed to always contract and shorten. And so that plays in big time to speed of movement and athletic performance. And so sometimes just these same basics that we were talking about on the, the you know, rehab recovery optimization side, sometimes those, even if they're more in the realm of recovery, actually have a profound benefit on performance as well, because you're, you're reducing that excessive tension that would be blocking or limiting someone's ability to, to move quickly and powerfully. And then we have other things like what you're, what we're doing there with those eccentric pull-ups and those eccentric squats that we were doing. We're again, trying to train your ability to lengthen your muscles. We're doing it there slow and under control, but we're doing it at a very high load because part because of, you know, I was resisting you adding more resistance on the way down. And in large part, because of the signal from the machine, we're training you to be able to lengthen your muscles under load. And when you can do that under extreme levels of challenge, it becomes a lot easier to lengthen your muscles if you need to relax them to throw a punch or mm. if you need to relax them, so you know, relax your hip flexors so you can get good hip extension in a sprint on the track or whatever the, whatever the example might be. So if you're able, when you're able to do it under these extreme levels of challenge, both with external resistance and with all that signal coming in from the machine, it becomes so much easier to do it when you're just, you know, it's just you on the field of play. 
Hell yeah. You know, this is remind, reminding me of a couple of things. One, uh, I think Pavel Tatsunlin talked about that study in Russia because he's a Russian guy. Mm -hmm. He's the kettlebell expert. Um, he talked about that, like the, what translates to speed and, and athletic performance are when you're turned on and you're turned off. And so just as you were talking about when you sprint, it's the same thing as that punch from the barroom brawler. We're not sitting there gritting our teeth and flexing every muscle in our legs. It's it's a quick pop and relax, quick pop mm -hmm. and relax over and over again. And the less time you have your feet on the ground, the faster you are, mm -hmm. right? Same thing goes for the kettlebell swing, kettlebell snatch. You're hiking it down, relaxing, popping with the hips to get it back up. And most of that movement, you're only flexing and, and going hard for a very short period of the movement mm -hmm. as the kettlebell goes through. Um, so yeah, lots, lots of translation there. I was thinking about, um, damn it. I lost my track of the second thing I was going to talk about here. There's actually, uh, one other, one thing that you mentioned there is that, that ability, you know, to quickly relax and, you know, turn on, turn off, turn on, turn off that I love the way you describe that. And I think that speaks to exactly one of the things that we're trying to promote with our patients and clients is that the, you know, so many of us with the modern lifestyle, we're turned on all the time, right? We're always in fight or flight. We're, we're on alert for what's going to come at us, whether it be an email or an argument with a coworker or a spouse, or, you know, there, there's so many times where we're turned on and, and it's a response, you know, again, it's how we respond to what's happening in our environment internally or externally. And one of the things that I like most about this technology at the most simple foundational level is that we train people to better handle stress because you can turn the machine up to where it's uncomfortable and you can track exactly the level to which you're pushing somebody. And you, when you learn to, to breathe through that and stay calm, even in the face of adversity and immense challenge, I think that translates not only to a better kettlebell swing or sprinting stride, but to so many other areas in life too. 100%. Yep. And that goes right in with what we talk about often on this podcast from the cold tub to the hot sauna, yeah. all that stuff matters. It, it, it bleeds and leaks into every application you have in life. But I do remember what I was going to bring up. I forget where I read it. It might've been in, um, well, I know Arnold covers it in the modern day book, encyclopedia of bodybuilding. And I've read it in other places too. Um, more recently where there's a lot of science around IGF-1 activation. And what they were saying is that anything that lengthens the muscle under tension mm -hmm. opens up way more IGF-1 receptors in the body. And for people that don't know, IGF-1 is insulin-like growth factor one. It's basically what growth hormone would have been named had they found that first before growth hormone. Growth hormone you can think of as a parent hormone helps you grow when you're a child. It's great for fat loss and recovery. Uh, but some of that converts into IGF-1 with insulin in the liver, and then that becomes the thing. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk in longevity circles around IGF-1 being an issue because I think there's a, a tribe of little people in Ecuador who have a genetic imbalance where they don't produce any IGF-1, and mm -hmm. these people are not healthy. They smoke cigarettes. They, they, um, they eat poorly and that none of them have cancer, right? So, okay, as we do in Western medicine, that's the answer, lower your IGF-1, right? But, you know, good guys like uh, my friend, Dr. Peter Atia, who I'm gonna have on the podcast here, have really started to debunk that. As with anything in life, you have extreme ends, whether it's extremely low or extremely high, can be very poor for your health. And somewhere in the middle is gonna be very good. But from a local standpoint, 
if I'm doing an exercise like chest flies, think of the old pec, pec deck or something like that, if you're called gym, and I haven't done this in years, but if it's opening up my body under tension, that's going to create more receptivity for my IGF-1 receptors. And that's one of the first things I thought about when I was doing those highly eccentric pull-ups. And then of course, with, with the assisted squats there, a lot of negatives um, can really hack that system. And from a hormonal standpoint, that's it. Like people think about this shit. It's either like, either A, you're not paying attention to your hormones or B, you are, and you say, there's an issue, how, which doctor will fix it for me? Or C, you say, okay, there's, there's some actual things that I can do to change that, whether that's red light therapy or cold baths or lifting really heavy, all those things have an impact on my hormonal expression and can help me stave off low testosterone long into my forties and fifties. Mm -hmm. Talk a bit about that. You know, I, I think, you know, you touched on it obviously, but where do you guys see um, hormonal effects from something that's activating this much muscle tissue? I think that's an awesome question. And, and that speaks to definitely the, the benefits and the, one of the reasons, we, or more of the reasons why we emphasize eccentric contraction. You know, that's the, the part of the movement during which um, muscle fibers break down the, the body. There, you know, some of the proteins and enzymes will spill out into the bloodstream and those metabolic byproducts and breakdown byproducts then become very powerful signals for hormonal releases, for the recovery process to happen. Local inflammation, not systemic, but local inflammation is going to be part of that as well, hormonal releases. And so you need to have this, these molecules there to chemically signal all these processes to happen. And we've seen some, some really cool, just anecdotally, you know, where going through our workouts, numerous patients and clients have brought blood tests back in and said, Hey, did you expect my testosterone to double or this or that? I'm like, well, you know, stimulus and response. If you're if you're you're finding a way to get in a very safe way again, that that benefit of heavy lifting, like you mentioned, that that intense stimulus is one of the possible ways to create that intense response. And so, um, you know, in many ways, I think it's as simple as you just you get a lot of that stimulation. Of course, because some of the breakdown byproducts, that's going to signal it because of the amount of neurological stimulation that you're getting. I think this is another key because so many times we we can train and it's not stimulating enough. And like if we go out for a jog, um, you know, it can actually be you know healthy or not depending on how we breathe and the position we're in. A different different topic, but uh, we can go out for that jog and you know we can get a lot of breakdown within the body, but it's never actually stimulating enough for the brain to get the point that, oh shit, we did something and oh yeah, now it's time to shift into recovery mode and actually release all those hormones and do all of the things that we want to do to prepare the body to better handle that next time. And so the, 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 the being able to cross that threshold, being able to get enough signal into the nervous system, into the brain. So it realizes, ah, yes, we did a lot. And now it's time to make that shift. I think that's a, a big deal. And so that's part of, you know, in terms of hormonal releases is part of the nervous systems, the brain's strategy for recovery and supercompensation. And some of the things that we see, even if we don't have a blood test and can't prove changes in hormones, we see changes in appetite. For example, people have a greater appetite, which is another underlying neurological shift or sleep better that night. Like we have a, a woman down this week, came down from Minnesota to see us here in Austin. She has MS. She's down here for five days, hasn't been able to sleep more than one or two hours consecutively for, for several years. And this is the first week while she's here, even in a hotel room, she slept seven hours through the night and she was just blown away. 
So because of those neurological changes, the body shifts and, and hormones are a huge part of that. So it's something that you know, I'd like to see some further study. And we have a few in the works where we should be able to get some more data on that. But even those, those more immediate observations like shifts in appetite, shifts in the ability, ability to sleep, that speaks to the profound effect on the brain for shifting into that parasympathetic dominant mode for, for full-on recovery. And you know, even if without a blood test, based on what we're seeing, we can infer there's, there's some hormonal changes as well. Yeah, I really like that. You touched on such a key a key point. Then it's one of the reasons why, because I, a lot of people tell me, you know, I have my ice bath between 35 and 45 degrees typically. But people will be like, well, you know, can't, don't, can't you get benefit from 50 or 55? And I'm like, yeah, but you got to stay in it longer. And the truth is, is I don't think it's going to have the same response. Mm-hmm. You know, like Wim Hof is going in freezing water and they're studying his brain and seeing huge spikes in dopamine and adrenaline and different things. And obviously the breath works a part of that, but you know, his body is fearful of dying Mm -hmm. when he's in freezing water. His body thinks if we're here long enough, we're going to fucking die. Right? So the response to that is much greater than, Oh, this pool's a little chilly. You know, I'm taking a, if you try to take a cold shower in Austin in the summertime, I got news for you. There's there's no response happening there. It might be cool. It might cool you down, but there's no uh, physiological adaptation taking place. And the same can be said for weightlifting. You know, we go into the gym and, uh, you know, I could squat a bar till I'm blue in the face and I'll probably be sore from it, but it's not going to have the same effect as working my way up to a, a really heavy five by five or working my way up to max set doubles. You know, all those things have different applications and reasons to be done, but certainly pushing yourself to that outer edge is what's going to create the most adaptation. And that's something that I noticed is like when we, when we did that, full go squat workout. I didn't feel a ton of pressure on my back. I didn't feel at any point like I was going to get hurt. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've been an avid lifter for a very long time, but it was cool to see that like, here's a way if I didn't have that experience with powerlifting and didn't have that experience with strength and conditioning and football and all these other things, I could still find a way to activate my body to maximum effort mm-hmm. without the risk of injury. And I think that's a really special component to what you guys are doing. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else? You got you got anything else for us, brother? So the 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 range of things that we've been able to see with this, I think, is is one of the most compelling. You know, I came at this as an athlete myself, and and really enjoyed um, really enjoyed helping athletes get back faster from injuries and be able to to in- improve their performance and you know all of those those things that you're you know, just as you're more familiar with. And because we were taking such a neurological approach to things, you know, we started working with people who have more of these, like I mentioned, the woman who's down here right now from Minnesota who has MS, started working with more people who have these neurological challenges. And this is something that I, I mentioned just because it's very near and dear to to my heart, seeing, you know, some of the the times where we've been able to help people with MS or spinal cord injuries, get out of wheelchairs, help people with brain injuries, you know, return to activities of daily living. Um, the, the way that this has been able to help some of the people for whom there just isn't much of an answer in the traditional system, you know, that's been something that, that is just very inspiring and brings a lot of hope and something that I feel very strongly about. So, uh, that's, that's one of the things that I just wanted to, to mention is some of the, some of the more neurological cases that we've worked with. And, uh, if, if anyone out there is listening and is dealing with those, you know, um, we've started to work with more and more people who have some of these, these neurological challenges, and I, I hope to put this on your radar, you know, as a, as a 
potential, if not solution, at least part of the solution and something that can that can allow for progress. Awesome, brother. Yeah. And you guys have obviously headquarters is here. Uh, highly recommend people come out to Austin and do it. And you can come out for fun as well. Like Paleo FX is here each year. We just had that going on, um, which is a great health conference. Highly, highly recommend people come out for that. But also South by Southwest, pretty yeah. damn fun. Oh, yeah. ACL is pretty damn fun. And then you can jump in, grab a shake it on it and head over to New Fit. Heck yeah. Get some really good work in. Uh, you guys also have machines that are out in other cities. Is that correct? Yeah. So as of, as of today, uh, there's about 60 or 70 locations around the country that have our technology, you know, mostly private practice, physical therapy clinics, some chiropractic offices, some gyms will have it, uh, someone offering this in, in there, and then the different, you know, sports teams and universities. But uh, there's a listing on our website, new.fit, www.newneu, like neurological.fit, no.com, just .fit. Uh, there's a locations tab at the top right, so people can uh, can click there and uh, we're adding more and more constantly, so be on the lookout. If there's no one near you yet, you know, hopefully there there will be soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Garrett. Yeah, we're about thanks. to jump into one more awesome workout here. We're going to record it. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see some of the stuff as we do a little audio overlay to the workout <laughs> and grind through another good one. We're going to have some fun. Awesome, Th brother. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Hell yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Stop drinking boring coffee. Experience the gnarly benefits of badass beans. There's a kind of coffee 9 to 5 or sip when lying heavily on their horn, screeching their way through traffic to another soul-sucking day working for the man. That's lame. Then there's fuck yeah coffee, the kind of coffee Indiana Jones would drink before embarking on a turbulent quest through a dangerous lost empire guarded by a supernatural power. Now that's badass. Like a mixtape that effortlessly cues the right vibes, fuck yeah coffee manages to balance a rich, robust taste with an extra kick of caffeine to fuel your adventure wherever it takes you. Premium medium roast, brown, dark brown, twice as much caffeine as a normal cup of coffee. We teamed up with the discerning palates of the Black Rifle Coffee Company. Churning out a ridiculously good tasting coffee was a given. So rest assured, these carefully selected 100% Colombian coffee beans have been roasted to taste master perfection. Mm, that's good. But we wanted more. So we took those delicious coffee beans and blended them with a pure concentrated caffeine crystal. More than a ridiculously delicious cup of joe, every sip of fuck yeah coffee delivers twice as much caffeine. That's twice as much caffeine to fill your workouts, twice as much caffeine to use your body as an instrument to achieve greatness, no matter how that looks in your day-to-day. -day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Learn more at onit.com slash F asterisk CK dash Y-E-A-H. Thank you guys for tuning into the show today with my man, Garrett. Be sure to check out his website. We've linked to in the show notes. If you live in a different town than Austin and you want to try his product, it is absolutely incredible. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you for tuning in.